1: If you have a home, but you're not always at home, you have an Airbnb. Your home might be worth more than you think. Find out how much at airbnb.com slash host. The phone is That's the second time it's gone off. They never got home. They never
0: go home. They never go home. Those guys. Those, those
2: England defence and the mess. John Oliver's going for the high ball trying to look it down for Houtenanna! Goal! And they've scored! Ray Houten! Oh, Whelan! Oh, Ronnie has done it! Ronnie Whelan has scored a goal to grace any for he is.
3: We're a small country and we're up against it, but let's not just go along for the sing song every now and again.
1: Hello and welcome to Monday's Irish Times Second Captain's Euro 2016 podcast Or day one of the rest of the tournament As I think we should call it It limps on But without the beloved boys in green there Despite an unbelievable effort in Leon Hi Murph, hi Richie
4: Hello there all Morning out
1: Myself and yourself Murph were over there Trying to keep our shit together at half time Uh, uh, Took a stroll out to the concourse To choose between a 0.5% beer Or a warm bottle of coke Neither of which was a particularly appetising option, but I thought I thought I'd keep myself going,
2: uh, trying to stay calm, stay relaxed, keep the hope, keep the
1: hope there. Get out of the
2: sun. Just try and get back to get back to zero. You know, just try and level it.
4: Why was there only 0.5% beer
2: on sale?
1: They don't sell beer, uh, fully alcoholic beer, at the stadium. Okay. Although a friend of mine did say, "Are you sure that's not 0.5%? Because it says not comma five. That might be five percent, and I was thinking, <laughs> well, you can try it, but I think you're going to have to drink eight of them to that get is, to uh, a. <laughs>
2: that's that is uh, supremely wishful thinking on behalf of that gentleman. <laughs> yeah. Uh,
1: so we're. Oh yeah. So anyway, I went out to the concourse, just thought I'd chill out here, and uh, not get my hopes up too much. And then I encountered a gang of about a hundred, a couple of hundred Irish fans bellowing at the top of their voice, we're going to beat the French, we're going to beat, which was a great chant. I'm not going to sit here and say I wasn't involved in that chant where we were sitting, but just, I kind of felt at half time we needed to dial it down a small bit. Mm. Fans were going absolutely crazy. I was getting very excited and uh, unfortunately it didn't quite quite happen. The intensity in the stadium was unbelievable, pretty much for, the, for well, for maybe until the last 20 minutes when, when everything ebbed away.
2: Yeah, the stadium is, uh, it's a fabulous stadium. It's uh, just a beautiful, beautiful place to watch a football game. And I, I had Google imaged it on Friday once I realised that I was going. And I thought that it was one of those regular bowl type stadiums that you, you know, kind of cookie cutter stadiums that you see around the world. Um, but it's actually like the, you, you, there's like 60,000 people in the stadium. And they all seem like they're in on top of the pitch. It's a very much an enclosed, uh, very, uh, like a brilliant stadium for noise and the french made a lot of noise. Mm-hmm. Uh so they like they, obviously we were hopelessly outnumbered as irish fans. But the atmosphere in the place was. Just
1: and we're great murph.
2: We are, we are we're no what I'm actually saying is that the french are great.
1: No, we're great murph. You know when you're not at the games you're at home and you get sick of all this back slapping but then you're part of the yeah. part of the setup and you're thinking we are bloody great us <laughs> irish fans over here. Were, Richie, how great did we look on TV? Uh
4: absolutely great. Ah, um, I, th- I I thought we were great. I I was I was on RT radio again yesterday for the same year. myself, Pat Fenlon, and Mark um, it's Difficult to really get a sense of the atmosphere yeah. when you're in a little radio studio like that, but uh, I, I think I was the very same as you at time. I, I, you used to be trying to keep your shit together. Yeah. Like it was the first half was was there was a lot of positives there. There was there wasn't huge amounts of concerning patterns of play, and no one was having a stinker, and none of the. None of the things we might have been afraid of happening before the game started unfold in that first half anyway. So had I been there, I would have also been singing that song <laughs> with those 200 <laughs> Irish fans. How? At what point did you, or how high
1: were your hopes at halftime? I mean, were you thinking we can hang on to this?
4: I remember what was I thinking at halftime. I remember thinking... That this French team hadn't, you know, used this phrase, gelled or clicked into gear, hadn't done what, when you see them on paper, you're afraid that they might do. Um, I thought we kind of kept the ball for a little bit. We'd gotten the goal, which was which, which was huge and looked, I kept using the phrase, relatively comfortable. We looked fairly solid at the back. So, And I think, I don't know, maybe you'll tell me this, were there a bit of boos and jeers were the with the French crowd getting a bit antsy, or were we just getting hearing
2: very things? antsy. They get very antsy at our uh, the the perception that we were wasting time, well, which we were, I liked. Which yeah. I liked. Sorry, that
4: was a positive. I remember thinking, going back a couple of games. Sometimes we're a little bit naive. Sometimes we play with our heart and not our head. And I was encouraged when Hendrik took an age it to walk amazing. off the pitch. It was amazing to watch that and come back on just and the stretcher was called everything they did everything right and he's just the speed at which he walked
1: i i don't know i i'm i don't have a strong i think a uh Mental fortitude, as Jeff Hendrick does, but I don't know how a human being in this situation can keep his nerve and just yeah. s- just slow the pace even further yeah. down I- as he's getting hell and at, whistled at by so many of these people. And the the, the irony of French football supporters having got us for a bit of gamesmanship and doing what it takes yeah. to win—I I wasn't <laughs> lost on
4: anyone, I think. And Darren Randolph as well, taking like about forty-five seconds for yeah. every kick out, like. Keeping the ball in his arms, so all of those things were encouraging. We think, God, we're playing well. We're one nil up. Friends aren't at it. Maybe the crowd are getting a bit antsy, and we're starting to play with a little bit of kind of streetwise. And so, yeah, I was I was excited. Did
1: did we do anything wrong in the second half? Was it just the inevitability, as Martin O'Neill said uh, after the game? uh, Ultimately, the team with the better players usually wins. Games of football,
4: and I think just to just to support them on that. I mean, they are far better players.
1: Oh, some of Pogba's touches are absolutely insane.
4: Right, if you go if you go Great to man. the team and, and you go man from like they're they're like the yeah. the six players they have up front against ours. Look at the clubs that they play for. Look at their transfer values. Even look at the, like players on the bench. The France have like they'd, they'd be our best players. So, and even the makeup of our squad. I just look through there like we've a. a, a Traver back four like we're Blackburn, Derby, and Burnley players. Like this, this Ipswich striker up front hasn't scored in, in for international football yet, so, and the, and our goalkeepers a West Ham reserve player. So, so is it inevitable that that sort of quality is going to tell? Well, I think it, like it has. to. There's a reason those players are playing in the Champions League and Champions League finals and are worth. You know, whatever Pogba's been talked about, ninety hundred million. So there's a huge gulf in class, but. Um what did we do wrong? I think first of all what I think Deschamps did really well. He made a change at half time, brought Kante off and put Coleman on. And I think that just that had an impact straight away. Yeah. I it, not only from what Coleman himself brought, but also I think Griezmann moving in more centrally or nearer to Giroud. Um and I don't think they really needed a Kante type player in that second half anyway. So I think he called the correct and and we were just the more that second half went on, we just started to look knackered.
2: <laughs> that's so that's what I
4: looked on. To. Is that what it looked like oh, being oh there? Oh, my God. Oh. Yeah. <laughs> if that
1: game had gone to extra time, we might have lost 8-2. Yeah. I, I, if we honest, had somehow gotten the
2: goal later on. I think it would have been a complete disaster if it had gone to extra time. Because, because on, <laughs> on TV,
4: you can't see, like, who's off the ball, like, who's bent over, like, who's yeah. hanging. Like, we well, used all were. seen all that. They,
2: they all were at, at various stages. Um, and, like, the guys with the most energy, even, like, at one stage... Hendrick had like chased the ball from pillar to post for I would say a sprint of about 150 yards. And at the end, I think it was it was Matuidi. I think just ran off his shoulder at one stage, and you know it. it when you're at a game, you realise right. Okay, that maybe that's what you see. Oh, Hendrick's just he just, he just was blown out of the way, uh, blown uh, uh, blown away there by Matuidi. Uh, but he actually run for like 150 yards, 200 yards. And then you know, all all you see on television is between you just running straight by him. You know, it's like, what the hell, what the hell is Hendrick at, you know? But uh, at various stages, like like Long. I mean, I, 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 I don't was know. was tired
1: near the end. Robbie Brady was a tired, yeah. tired man. There was a point with a couple of minutes ago where Seamus Coleman got on the ball, in a promising position on the right-hand side, and he kind of looked towards the box and thought, oh, dear, there's nobody there. I think he eventually might have knocked a little short ball to Wes Houdohan. But even at this stage there's no there was very little support this is with a couple of minutes to go and you're having to score a goal to save yourself in the competition and we know about the heart of these irish players so they everything was waiting but they just could even Shane Long at that point couldn't get up yeah. towards the box and he's yeah. the striker you yeah. you just would assume that they're going to be up there
2: and you we can't overstate how how warm it was yesterday either as well um down on the pitch every single second that they could take a water break the players did but you know I, 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 there has been a bit of belly aching about the the turnaround, you know, the the fact that mm. we, you know France had what three extra days. Yeah. Um. To be fair, I think you probably. You know, you you lose that argument when, if you finish third in the group, I think you know that that argument's kind of null and void. Then you know, I well, mean, you have
1: to take what you get.
2: Yeah, I think so. To be honest, you know, like if if you finish first or second in the group, then it you know you know where you go, and that's it. You know, obviously that's the way they've designed the the tournament. And they're going to design it so that the host nation has the best chance of winning it. That's fair enough, but I don't. I don't really know that you can. That you can use that.
4: I. I, I think it is a valid point. I. I, I think you're right in saying that. Fair enough. You, you. You knew the structure of the tournament beforehand, but it, it. It doesn't take from the fact that it is a disadvantage. Like it. It is. It is a big advantage to give a team to give them in a tournament situation like this an extra three or four days to recover. And ju- and just because of France's situation, they went into the final group game knowing they qualified. So four of the lads, I think you started yesterday, didn't start in that game. So they had an extended break. But I think it it definitely is an advantage. Th- there's a side argument there as to whether that advantage was earned because they finished top and, and actually we didn't deserve it because we finished third. But I think that's a side point. Like It, it is, in addition to the heat, in addition to the... Like immensely talented players they have compared to, to the lads we have. Like that, that rest period was also a factor. So there's a wider context in which to kind of view the, the performance and the results.
1: Did Martin O'Neill not have to take account of that though? If, you, if, you, if you're worried about a four day turnaround, then you change the team. Even though that last last side has served you so well, you actually be ball, as ballsy as you were against Italy
4: and you, you make another few changes just, just, just to get the freshest guys out there. Well, I think you factor it in in, in relation to the work you do in between games. From game to game, so it's all about recovery and recovery and rest and you, you do little or nothing physically and, and whatever players need to do to get themselves in a position to be to be ready for the next one. But he obviously has to make a judgment, and I'm sure he did, that he thought, uh, put whatever percentage you like in this, you know, a ninety percent Duffy is still better than a hundred percent doscher, or whatever whatever way he, he calculates this. So I assume some players said they were tired, but I don't know if anyone given the situation would, would say, No, I'm I'm so tired that i shouldn 't really be considered for selection here let 's see what can made of it all.
1: Ken, why do you think the team was so utterly mackered in that second half?
0: I think it was too much to um, to handle all the pressure of being in front against France for you know more than an hour. Was I mean, including half time? Because it's not like that pressure disappeared at half time; it actually got worse. I mean, I you know this isn't you talking about having to go out to the car park and walk around. Well, no, it was, <laughs> a, it
1: was a concourse. It wasn't a car park. It was just you know the bit behind the at the back of the stand I wasn't, so I, wasn't I didn't leave the stadium state. my psychological state was oh no not not too bad I was I mean I, I, I was I, I was just trying to keep my my hope in check really
0: Kieran Kieran yeah describe your psychological state please
2: <clears throat> uh, nervous um uh, but no, you know, he was, he he was keeping it together probably better than I was. <laughs> if, if if you want to illustrate a point, Ken, maybe yeah. I'm the I'm the nervous the, wreck here. The nervous wreck that, that you need to. to yeah. I mean, I was well, I was standing there talking about uh, England in the quarterfinals uh, yeah. to people. So yeah, you can uh, that, that gives you an indication of where my head was at. Did
4: any of you get texts from people? Already asking you for England tickets, no. and I got. It. Are I, you serious? I got yeah from three of my friends going <laughs> here. First dibs on England tickets, and then I got one screenshot from another friend of the flights available for that day no! and the price. Those and, people
2: are to blame. Was, I want you do that?
4: This was up until and like before the second half even kicked off. <laughs> going, you fools. <laughs> anyway, Ken.
0: Um, well, I think that it's mentally really draining to be in that position with that much pressure on to try and keep back this French team, this French crowd. It, you know, it just I think became too much. I think that's why they were so why they seemed so tired in the second half. Because I really actually don't think, physically speaking, um, it should it should make that much difference. People who talked about this days of rest and all, they had three full days in between the Italy match and this one. That's enough time to recover. It's enough time to recover, you, you know. I mean, the, would you rather have six days? I, I don't, I'm not even actually sure that you would rather have six. Three days.
1: Three full days, though. Really, I mean, they got home at five in the morning, got to bed at five, half five in the morning on the day of the game. So that's uh, you, you know yourself when you get home at half five in the morning, Ken. You're not you don't necessarily count the next day as a full day. Uh,
0: three three days is what is what it really takes to recover. Uh, generally speaking I mean you play these guys are playing during the season frequently uh, with only two days of rest in between games I mean that that happens in English football quite a lot Um, would they you know would they rather have had four days yeah probably would France rather have had five days rather than six I think so you know I mean there's uh, you know France had a lot of days off Uh, we didn't maybe didn't have enough I, I don't think that's what explains the difference, though? I mean, there was also the injuries to be taken into account. Like, I think Hendrik had, had got a dead leg, mm. and he was trying to play through that. Shane Long just had taken such a beating, mm. and not just yesterday, but also against Italy. I think that sort of starts to catch up with you. There's only a certain amount of punishment that you can absorb. Um, but really, I think the main, <clears throat> the main thing was this uh, how how difficult it is to be leading in a game like that for a team like Ireland. How much pressure that puts you under, especially from the the very first minute. We scored before they touched the ball. Or maybe a couple of them had had got little deflections on the ball, but no French player had been in control of the ball by the time they were picking it out of their net. It was unbelievable. Um, And you knew immediately, this is going to be a long, long 88 minutes. Um, And the team for the first half did brilliantly. You know, the French couldn't really work out what they were trying to do. The, the, the only the only danger from France in that first half was from free kicks, really. You know, the Pyatt's deliveries, um, <clears throat> looking for guys to, to flick it into the net. Pogba had a great free kick. I mean, a ridiculously good free kick. Actually, if you, if you look at it, it was just straight into the top corner. It was brilliant. It was just too far out. Randolph was well positioned for it. Um, then there was the chance for Pyatt pretty late on when it was blocked. And you thought, okay, this is, you know, Ireland are doing really well here, but... Whew, this is, like, I've never felt so nervous watching a game, really. You know, just this stomach-churning dread, um, which completely disappeared as soon as France scored. <laughs> as soon as France scored, I just felt at peace again. It's like, oh, they've scored. Oh, they've scored again. Oh, uh, well, you know, this is more the natural order of things. You know, I feel like I can relax now. I, I, may, up-
2: I may not be happy, but I understand completely what's going on now, at least.
0: Yeah, it's like well, this is okay. This is pretty much, this is pretty much what I expected. And I suppose aren't I going to lose now? And oh, Shane Duffy's been sent off. Oh, it's here. well, aren't definitely going to lose now? Um, yeah, and I suppose this is a loser mentality. Uh, there may be people out there who feel exactly the opposite way. Um, they only get that sense of peace uh, when they're leading, and then. It's when they aren't leading, or, you know, equalizer, the equaliser goes in and the goal goes in. That's when the, um, the sort of the existential dread starts. Um, but for me, uh, it was <laughs> the other way around. It was, oh, my God, I can't believe, oh, my God. Just watching every passer play, terrified that the ball is going to end up in Ireland's net. I mean, if the players are feeling even, you know, a couple of percent of that, with players, they've at least got their involvement in the game to take their minds off the dread. But I do think it's, it takes a lot out of you, especially for a team as inexperienced. I mean, it's the first time Ireland have ever been ahead in a knockout game, ever, in a tournament, ever. Um, it's not a situation we're really used to. Also, up against the host, up against a collection of seriously good players, up against the most fevered um, and you know partisan crowd that you're going to have to play against in the Euros, it was very difficult and eventually was too much for them. But I think
1: they did well. I think they did do well. And it's not as though they completely, Ireland is completely, Richie disappeared as an attacking force. There were moments largely brought about by the fact that France made those, that positive change that they had to make. But you got the sense that France were vulnerable. McLean a couple of times got down the left, whipped one great cross in, failed to slide one across the six yard box, which should have led to a goal. Stephen Ward had a shot from the edge of the box. It was the, the what I'm saying is there were chances,
4: uh, even aside from the goal. Yeah, there was there was never a point in the game we we just said like, right this is done we're gone because it was only ever we were only ever a goal behind and, and like it, it wasn't like to compare it to, to like the Hungary or Slovakia yesterday I mean they were both up against teams that were on paper far better than and and they just got mullered and um, we never had that and it, you just. So it kept us in it all the way up, and and as as you could see, the players tired. We were getting knackered. Obviously, we were a man down. I assume the heat was kicking in. The crowd were getting louder, and France started playing with a bit of a swagger. But you kind of always thought, like, there's a chance in us. That there's a chance here. We can, we can get for. It. We only need something, <laughs> anything. Yeah. And it was just so disappointing at the end because of the 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 monumental effort that the players put in yesterday, but also on Wednesday evening. Um, but. It was a fair result. It was like the better team. There's no gripes. There's no sense of oh, injustice. No. There's none of that. It it was. It if it, it was. It wasn't a bad way to go out at all.
1: No, it's true. Uh, you, at times you have to remind yourself that you lost the game, as compared to say the Belgium game, which I was also at. You're coming out of that game just. Fed up. there's almost nothing to say about it. Yeah, like has nothing to say since we were beaten by a much better team. You yeah, know, we like, didn't do anything, <laughs> and we, that's it. We, at least we,
4: there's something to this. So, of the four games we played, like had the fourth and final one, the one that we went home on, been a kind of a performance that we gave in the second half of Belgium, oh, like it's a yeah. total different, completely different spin we're putting on it. We're leaving with a whole different feeling and a very grim outlook. And but it, it wasn't the case, Ireland were poor at this tournament, Ken. Technically and
1: physically inadequate. Very fortunate to face half-Irish Italy in final group game. So, yeah. so says, at zonal marking, much to the chagrin of many Irish people on Twitter yesterday.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's a, it's a point of view. Um, I mean, he, you know, he came out with this immediately after the, the game um, when I think mainly the Irish supporters were, were kind of feeling emotional and just wanted to cuddle the team and say, you know, there were, everyone was sort of, eyes were glistening, everyone's blood is just full of oxytocin, everyone just wants to get together and cuddle and say, you know, guys, you know, we know you lost, but you gave it everything, you just gave it everything, and, you know, you did so well, and we're so proud of you, and then suddenly you get this message, which, which appears to have been written by, you know, an android. Um, a, 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 really, a really cruel, realistic computer. <laughs> that's, that says, oh, Ireland weren't very good. Um, <laughs> I mean, objectively speaking, I don't know if anyone—I don't know if anyone was hyping Ireland going into the tournament, saying, "Wow, well, wait till you wait till you see the ability of this Irish team." You know, this this is a team that's going to take the Euros by storm. You know, I don't think anyone was saying that. Uh, you know, in terms of Ireland, Ireland technically weren't great. Like, are, nobody, everyone thought when this tournament was starting that Ireland technically were one of the most limited groups of players in the tournament. You know, so it's not—it's not, it's not a particularly sort of original. Point to to sort of make in the immediate aftermath of a a defeat physically inadequate Well, we've gone into the reasons why I mean, I think that was so it is a little bit easier I think for countries that have you know uh, 20 outfield players who could all realistically play you know what I mean? There there are countries didier Deschamps is one of the managers here Roy Hodgson. is another one uh, yogi love who the, the problem for the manager is deciding who to leave out you know, it's 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 a case of I've got a lot of players here who could, could could come in. How do I decide between them? You know, there's there's all kinds of options there in terms of freshing up the team. There's all kinds of options there in terms of the tech uh, the tactical demands of a particular game. Say, for instance, Didier Deschamps yesterday. You know, he's got uh, Kante. Kante is you know one of the best players in the Premier League last season. He can afford to take him off at half time uh, and bring on Kingsley Coman who's uh, had an outstanding season with Bayern Munich because he feels that he needs to change the tactical shape of the side. He's got a quality player at his disposal to do that. Martin O'Neill does not have that. You know, with with, with us, we had Wes Hood on the bench yesterday. It's like, whew, when when we unleash Wes? That's that's our that's the only thing that we can do. You know what I mean? I just think it's I think it's a little bit uh I don't I don't think really you're you're taking into account the difficulties that Ireland have. I think you, you know in terms of we don't really have that many players of that quality. We do have the same number of players as everyone else. But there was five championship players in our team yesterday. And we're, we're counting players like Darren Randolph, who's like, who, who doesn't play for West Ham as, as a, not a championship player. You know what I mean? And we were leading France for, you know, France were seriously rattled there. That was difficult. That was really difficult for them. At halftime, they were walking off. They had a big row in the dressing room at halftime. Really, yeah. Well, According to Deschamps, Deschamps said, you know, I was shouting at them, the substitutes were shouting at them. Everybody was getting involved, saying, what's going on here? You can imagine this big French squabble in the dressing room. Yeah. Where it's like, why are you sleeping? Why is everyone walking around to sleep out there? You know what I mean? Uh, they they were talking afterwards, the Pyatt was saying, you know, we we were playing their game. You know, what happened is what happened that we started to play our game, because in the first half, we were playing their game. And we lost a lot of energy doing this kind of stuff. You know, uh, getting, getting angry with them. They were looking for time. You know, he was, he was talking about Ireland's time wasting. You know, you saw Randolph every time there was a goal kick. He was, he was taking his time. It was proper Chelsea at Liverpool. <laughs> you, you, you were talking about Hendricks, yeah. slow walk off the pitch to this deafening uh, <laughs> crescendo of derision from and the crowd. It was my
1: second favorite moment, passage of play of the match, again uh, after the, penalt- the uh, penalty and conversion it of
0: penalty. Different. And don't forget that Jeff Hendrick also got booked for kicking the ball away in, a, in the most bizarre t- circumstances of time-wasting I think I've ever seen. What, why are you time-wasting? You've just won the free kick. <laughs> De- Jeff Hendrick is a proper little Diego Simeone. His, his two bookings in the tournament were both for Diego Simeone-type cheating. Kicking the ball away to waste time and kicking an extra ball in. into the play, yeah, yeah. So uh, you know, at least he's he's shown a little bit of that grint at that edge. But the point the point that I'm making is, you know, that France were, we, Ireland with this limited bunch of players. I don't mean to say technically, I mean to say it's a limited selection. There's not too many options. We've got like the we've got the skeleton of a team there and we can pad it out in various ways. But we don't have the ability to change the team, to transform it at halftime. We don't have, you know, guys like Daniel sturridge or Jamie Vardy kicking their heels on the bench. You know, those guys would be automatically in our team. We don't you know we don't have that. Habit. And considering all the limitations we're under, to do as well as we did, to beat Italy, I don't care if it's a habit. Italy are always Half-arsed after they lose. Oh, we didn't care about that. Well, they cared for a while. They still seem to be trying when, you know, in, Lorenzo Insigne. I mean, Italy maybe made a bit of a mess of that game. You know, but I don't think we, they can just say, well, we were we were half-arsed. I look forward to seeing Antonio Conte at Chelsea and then see see if it's an excuse that he uses after. Well, you know, we, we were half-arsed. What I'm saying, I, I mean, I sound like I'm getting angry here. I am a little bit. Go on, get angry, <laughs> so to defend the honour of our players. But... Considering all the all the difficulties that we have compared to some of these big countries, to have been to rattle France to that extent, to have been leading them for nearly an hour in that game, to only lose two one, you know, ten men down, I think it's I think it's an impressive achievement. I think I think you can say I don't think you, you come out and then say Ireland have been poor at this tournament. I think you come out and say Ireland have done about as well. Ireland have exceeded expectations in this tournament. They exceeded my expectations. Look at the look at the response of the fans to them. You know, they they loved what they saw from the team. The team gave it absolutely everything. They couldn't move anymore. Were they poor? Pfft. I suppose it depends on your criteria, but I think most people, I think most people, when they when they take in the entirety of what Ireland did and and the, the sort of the materials they had, the, what they brought to the table, and what they ended up doing, would say that actually they'd done pretty well. Surely
1: it's because it's precisely because we're technically and physically inadequate as compared to a team like France that you should consider that those sort of performances really quite good, I, yeah. w- I, w- I would have thought, you know.
0: Uh, no, I don't know what he's, what he's saying physically, physically inadequate. <laughs> they, they didn't look physically inadequate against Italy. No. no it was or or, or right. against Sweden. Because right. Italy were half-arsed. So I suppose when you do, when you do say, well, the wins don't count, when you when you do say the wins don't count and then, you know, when, obviously they, they lost badly to Belgium, you know, Bel, Belgium, by the way, who might win the whole tournament, you know, everyone could quite easily see that. Um, Belgium, we've got some of the most phenomenal athletes uh, in the tournament. You know, up against John O'Shea, the 35-year-old central defender. Sure, maybe we did look physically a little bit short there, physically. In the you know, in, towards the end of the France game, when the players were totally exhausted, yeah, they did look a little bit short up against you know guys like Pogba. You know, is Pogba the best athlete in world football at the moment? He might, he might be. Did you see Pogba? I mean, the ball comes to Pogba. He's, I, there was a moment when Robbie Brady tried to tackle him in the yeah, second several passage. moments <laughs> several,
2: <laughs> several moments when Robbie Brady looked like a hobbit taking on um, you know uh, Sean Bean in the first of the Lord of the Rings movies
0: you know it's just like Pogba is just he's like a wall you know what I mean a wall that can kind of turn <laughs> really fast incredible so I think France I think Ireland probably aren't the only team that France are going to make look physically a little bit inadequate all things taken into account I uh, I think I would absolutely I think it's total nonsense to say Ireland have been poor. I think Ireland did better than better than people expected them to and did themselves proud.
4: It is nonsense, yeah. I think it's, the only way you could you could stack that up and say you were poor if you're setting the bar at, you know, Spain's best performance or, or yesterday Germany's best performance or, or Belgium last night or Italy in the
0: Spain were pretty poor against Croatia, come to think of it. Exactly. Well But I suppose it was half first.
4: But re, but relative to what this Ireland team has played in, in, in the last year or two and considering the, the, we'll have to call it, limited talent compared to those bigger nations, absolutely you could sit there and say we've been poor, but it's an absurd comparison to make to say that to compare us to the best ones if that's what he's doing. And to say we're physic, we're technically inadequate, we're technically inferior to those countries but as you said like no one's claiming otherwise no if
1: anything you should be maybe comparing i would compare the organization of football in this country to what they've done in iceland and say that that's maybe where we're inferior that we're not producing you know per capita uh the same amount of qualified coaches and all and and all the rest of it and the amazing facilities they have over there but that's probably a bigger debate which you might get into later on in the week i guess the uh description by, by keith duggan of pogba today i quite liked said Pogba's like a vision of football's distant future, the trickery of a little street footballer locked into the physique of a light middleweight boxer, which is something along the lines of, I think, where Pogba is at. What about the goals, though, Kent? that we conceded? Uh, there were, I would, I would have said, both of them, maybe? The types of goals that you you, you could uh, avoid?
0: Yeah, I mean, disappointing. I, I mean, I think it's an accumulation of, it's an accumulation of pressure, you know, Um France for coming for us in that second half. They changed the shape of their team. The changes that they made were taking off Kante, uh, putting Pogba well basically they, they they went to two in midfield. They said, Okay, these guys are, are only interested in hitting us on the break. We don't therefore need to have three, you know, in midfield. We can maybe move Griezmann. They moved Griezmann up and basically had him playing off through a big man, little man strike combo, and said, Okay, Pogba our midfield actually looks cluttered. There's, there's too much going on in here. Take Kante out of there. Freeze up a bit of space. Pogba moves a little bit deeper. You know he's, So he's not really... Uh, in the first half, he was kind of trying to... you know they, they had three in midfield with Pogba breaking forward. Instead, they said, OK, why don't you try and control the game from a slightly deeper position? You have a bit more space. Anyone tries to tackle it, just do that thing with your muscles where you're going to oh, flex your muscles into their face and they fall over. And then you turn around. Uh, and Coleman then moves to the right Came came in rather and played on the right. And actually, Stephen Ward was one of Ireland's most positive players in the first half. He got forward a lot. It was his cross that created the um, penalty incident. Um, that was like his first sort of positive move forward in the game. There was a couple of other moments when he, you know, he, he broke forward into space or even turned. He turned Griezmann at one point. It was, it was fantastic uh, down the left wing. Just really positive stuff. He couldn't do that anymore. He was totally he was out of the game as a, as an attacking. Uh, threat, you know. So Ireland's attackers, McLean, Long, Murphy, were just looking increasingly isolated, and they just sort of penned us back. And it was, you know, when, when you're creating a certain number of chances, when you're creating chance every couple of minutes, it's eventually going to happen. I mean, the goal is a little bit disappointing, but you got to remember, this guy Griezmann is seriously good at doing exactly what he just did, like stealing into this unmarked position. Unbeknownst to the players around him, again you could look at McCarthy and say, "Do you have to be picking this guy up here?" Um, You know, McCarthy was the player closest to him. Once again, he he had had scant uh, notion of 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 the position of Griezmann. You know, Griezmann certainly popped up in a position McCarthy didn't seem to be expecting to see him. So you could maybe criticise him a little bit there. Um, But you know, Griezmann's got three goals in the tournament. Uh, and I wouldn't say he's finished scoring. tournament. He's a top player. Second goal was uh, was was more disappointing. That was a proper disaster. And it was kind of it was sad as well because it was Duffy and Duffy had played well uh, up to that point. He really had. I mean, there was uh, blocks, there was headers, you know, the, the, the basic kind of defending that you expect a big, strong guy like him to be in. You know, that's really what he's in the team to do. And he was doing that really well. Um, and it was noticeable, I thought, that as the game wore on, Olivier Giroud decided to pick on Richard Kyo, because Richard Kyo was the man who he was he felt he was able to dominate. And that's the way that it turned out. I mean, don't underestimate the, the role that that played in the game. Um, Duffy, you could see, was trying to... He was the one who was doing all the shouting in the fence, and he was... You know, when the, when the team had cleared the ball, he was urging them to get forward. You could see him up, up, up. And, you know, he's, he's the junior player there out of, out of himself and Kyo, but you wouldn't have thought it looking at the behavior of the two of them on the field. But unfortunately, I thought Duffy got a little bit too proactive. Basically, he didn't show enough confidence in Kyo. Uh, when the ball got played forward to Giroud, Giroud and Kyo challenging for it, and Duffy, for some reason, decided he had to go and help Kyo. Didn't get there in time to do that. And Giroud won the flick on. Suddenly the ball's bouncing into the place where Duffy's supposed to be. Griezmann's there. And the control, by the way, from Griezmann was brilliant. Mm. You know, you'd expect that from him. But he just, uh, instant control, instant shot. Duffy actually, I think he got a slight nick on the ball off his boot. Um, He nearly got back in time to block it, but he'd given himself too much to do. So it was a bad decision. Um, Really, he needed to trust Keogh there. Keogh would, would have lost the header, but at least Duffy would have been in position to cover. Um, so that was a mistake. And then the last, uh, then, then the sending off, was again Keogh getting beaten by Giroud, uh, who then turned and played in Griezmann. And at that stage, Duffy had no option. You know, listening to what Roy Keane had been saying, take a yellow card, take a red card, you'll get sent off. You might get sent off, but your team might win. If you've If you've heard him say that, it's clear what the instruction from the management team is. Chop the man down. We're down to 10, but at least we haven't lost the goal. That's what he did. So uh, at least his last act on the field was uh, something presumably that both managers, uh, proper manager and assistant manager, would have signed off on. At least the assistant manager is on the record saying that. I'm, <laughs> sure they, I'm sure they speak with one voice on the issue.
2: It's, uh, it was actually a, a perfectly timed, mistimed tackle in that <laughs> he filed him just as he was getting into the penalty area, but just before it. So the timing
0: of his horribly mistimed tackle was actually spot on.
1: Ken, who... Those, those yeah.
0: Griezmann feet, you know what I mean? They're moving pretty fast. Like, that's... A, that's It's not as easy as it looks. No. To
3: hack down
0: John Griezmann. But yeah. he, he really... He, he, took the, he took the standing foot just as it hit the ground. So uh, technically immaculate uh, by, uh, by Shane Duffy.
1: Who are we going to hear from, from in the mix on?
0: Well, we might as well hear from Ireland's goal king, Robbie Brady.
2: I'm not sure. Maybe, maybe some tiredness kicked in second half. Not only in the legs, maybe in the mind, a couple of tired decisions. And then we found ourselves two-one behind to a, to a good French team, and then down to ten men. So, um, I don't know. I'm just proud to be a part of it. I'm proud of everyone that kept their all throughout the tournament, and I don't know. It was extremely pleasing for me anyway. But like I said, I think there's positives to be took from from this uh, from this tournament going into now with the with the World Cup coming up, and. I think uh, I think it's looking good
1: from there. From yeah, Robbie Keane, uh Robbie Brady I should say, uh, putting a, a, as positive a spin as he could on but you can sense just from you can I, I don't know what the lowest you've felt in football is, Richie, but would that would that be as low as these players have felt? I know that might be a super question. Might they feel a little bit like we do, that well, you know, at least we went out there and, and gave it a bash?
4: Would it be the lowest they felt? I mean, it's hard to
1: answer on behalf of each of those players. But you know, today, them waking up, would, would the pride of of what they achieved, and also the moment they had with the fans afterwards. Which I know, again, we can be cynical sometimes about the way we pat ourselves in the back as supporters, but being in that stadium, that was a great moment. Like, it just it felt really quite genuine. It seemed to last quite a long time. Uh, a few of the players were incredibly emotional. Darren Randolph. Coleman look quite emotional. A few of the others. Would all that be enough? Do you think for them to be not feeling like the in the pits of despair today?
4: I think you're right. You're right. I'm not going to speak for all 23 players. <laughs> I want you to list out each player and tell me how they're feeling. Tell me exactly <laughs> what, what their mindset is. I, I I would imagine that at the moment, the in time, I think they will really really appreciate the experience and, and they would look back and go that was the high point of my international career certainly possibly of, of my, my entire career depending, depending on who the players are but at the moment I, like as I'm sure after Wednesday and they saw the draw and at half time and the way a lot of the game went they, they're full of kind of what ifs and if onlys and, and all that kind of stuff and they might be griping about the rest period or they might be griping about whatever but are the little individual mistakes that they made themselves or the things that they felt they could have done better because like, it wasn't a thumping defeat. It was a 2-1 defeat. that a man less. And so many factors were against them. So um, the lowest point that they, they would feel, I, I, would, I would imagine a lot of them are as low as they felt in a yeah. while, which is odd because I think they look back soon and, and actually appreciate that this is a high point. Oh, yeah. And Robbie Brady, you're
1: never going to take that header away from Robbie Brady. And you're also never going to take away the fact that he stepped up to a penalty before he... Even got warmed up properly at the start of a game against France and knocked it in off the post. Murphy, you know they're yeah. my favourite types of penalties. Yeah, well, those I and mean, in off the bar. I need, I need some woodwork involved. Yeah, they're unsavable like mm-hmm. It was an unsavable penalty. Thierry Henry was part of the BBC's analysis team. Cue much halftime hilarity.
2: They deserved that penalty because yeah. after previous decisions have gone against them. <laughs> <laughs> what could you be talking about, um, Thierry? <laughs> but Thierry, <laughs> Thierry, the lips, you. <laughs> Can we talk about
4: a second off, being fair though, you've got to hand it
2: to um, uh, um, France.
1: Come- Murphy, you're shaking your head.
2: Ah, just classic. Classic football banter mm. there. Oh,
1: I didn't see B- BBC pre match get it. Maybe pe- people can uh, let me know about this. I don't know if Henri addressed the handball in any meaningful way. There, was, I mean, there wasn't much analysis there, but I suppose half time is not the time or place.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's good to see everyone getting a good laugh out of it. <laughs> You can laugh, that was the World Cup. (laughs) Um, Yeah, I I don't know. Did did Thierry Henry confront the thing? I was talking to some people from the Keep who were saying they were trying to get him uh, to talk talk about it, and he wouldn't. now, we were trying to get him to talk about it, and he, and he wouldn't... Just
1: talk uh, about it, Thierry. Come on. It's gone. It's over now. It's finished. It's years ago. We've played you just since. Just
0: face up to it, Thierry. Just face what you did and talk about it and tell us how you felt. But no, I mean, I don't know. He probably doesn't even remember how he felt. I'm sure it was all justified at the time. Philippe O'Claire, Claire, have
1: you recovered from the fright that you guys got in Lyon yesterday?
3: Um, yes, I have. I mean, I, I, I was expecting it. Um, it has to be said that... Uh, I mean, I, I shouldn't be too proud of this, but to one after going one nil down was the scoreline I had predicted and I've got the proof of it. So <laughs> I wasn't too, <laughs> I don't think it was too difficult, by the way, <laughs> uh, scored too early and all these sort of things. Okay. No, I mean, that wasn't, I wasn't, I wasn't surprised. And, uh, in the end, it took a very long time for, for the French to wake up. But once, you know, the, the, I think the rest, the extra day's rest, uh, played a huge role in that. But, uh, well, no, I, I've, I've recovered. I, I, didn't, I never felt, um, even though I think these were probably the best two minutes, best two first two minutes <laughs> I've seen from Ireland or many, many other teams uh, in, in a game of that importance, I always felt that there would be enough in, in the French squad to uh, enable the addition to address the situation, which it did.
0: Has this come down, Philippe, as a a bit of a managerial triumph for Didier Deschamps, who who, uh, managed to jolt his team back into life over half-time and made some uh, important tactical changes, which really changed the shape of that game?
3: Well, you could read it like that, or you could read it the other way, Um, as in he actually picked the wrong team to start with. (laughs) So what is shown again is that he's a very pragmatic um, uh, type of manager, and... He can take decisions. He's a good coach, as we say in French. Coach doesn't mean what coach means in English. It means somebody who is able to do a real-time, uh, to effect real-time change when his team is playing. And he's good at that. He's very, very good at that. He, he certainly has no scruples um, getting rid of this or that player. Uh, why did he get rid of Conte rather than Matridi, for example, at, uh, at half-time? Is it because of the yellow cards? Um, perhaps. I don't, I'm not too sure about this, but he, it's one of his strengths. Um, but it's still very much a team that is discovering what its best shape is. And to be honest, I don't think we are that much clearer about it after the, after the qualification. Um, there are still, you know, huge questions asked about our defense. There'll be even more now that Adil Rami is, uh, suspended. Uh, and that Angolo Conte is suspended as well. Um, so, Still many, many questions, Ken. I mean, I, I don't think that anybody in France thinks that Deschamps has been a, a, a tactical genius um, throughout the, the group phase and in the game versus Ireland. In fact, I, would say, I wouldn't I would say the opposite, but there are still a number of que- questions being asked of exactly how it, he, uh, he chooses that team and how he, he lines it up.
0: Yeah, I mean, um, <laughs> one of the Irish journalists uh, at halftime was saying that he met uh, de Lazare zoo in the toilet Um, (laughs) Lizarazu was was ranting and raving about uh, the French midfield and how, in his opinion, um, Matuidi was playing on the wrong side in order to accommodate Pogba in that role. And this was why it wasn't working, which struck me as an interesting, but at the same time, rather abstruse sort of point uh, to be making. It wasn't an issue that had stood out to me, although, you know, I, I bow to the superior authority of Bichon de Lezarzu. What do you think is, uh, is the problem with that team that he picked? Because according to the French press before the game, they were saying this is the team. This is what he feels is his best team. You said you think maybe it's the wrong shape. What would you like to see the, the team be doing?
3: Uh, I, think the problem, I don't think that the problems are, are that easily um, solvable. Uh, I think the main problem is a question of balance. Um, it's also uh, the fact that um, there are things that he still hasn't tried. Uh, at the moment, for example, um, we've been using uh, very kind of old-fashioned, I was going to say, in slow number nines, for example, in, the, in that 433. And uh, we're still waiting, you know, for example, could he use somebody who is far more lively, uh, such as Anthony Martial, or Griezmann, who is, uh, you know, now... Showing what, what a wonderful player he is. Could he use them as a, as a centre-forward, for example? That's one of the few possibilities there is, because even if Hero played a role, a very important role in Griezmann's second goal, um, it, it hasn't quite worked, hasn't quite clicked. You can't see the relationships developing. You can see some players who are obviously in very fine form. Uh, Dimitri Payet had an absolutely storming second half, as ever. Um, you know, you, you can see players who are... But, but what is... not there, and I don't think can be got, is the balance. There is no balance in that team. Um, It's completely skewed. Um, The defence is really, really worrying. Uh, I think in France, you know, I don't know if it's the case in Ireland, you'll tell me, but the fact that Ireland perhaps should have been 2 or 3 nil up is something that um, perhaps has been forgotten a little bit too quickly in the aftermath of the uh, qualification. But, I mean, they were so nervous. I mean, they they don't seem very well drilled as well on 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 any kind of dead ball situation. It's panic stations. You can see that Remy and Koscielny don't have a working relationship. And now what's it got to be? I mean, is it going to be uh, Remy and um, uh, Koscielny and Mangala, for example, against um, England or Iceland? That that could be interesting, couldn't it? Uh, Patrice Evra is, is, remains a liability. It's just absolutely unbelievable that he's still starting games, but there you go. Um, so when you add to that the fact that we're still struggling to find the right shape for uh, this midfield, which on paper looks absolutely wonderful, um, but Pogba again... Didn't have the best of games. What?
1: Uh, I I have to have to cut in here, Philippe. Every time I see Pogba play, everyone in France seems to say he played awfully. Now this is the first time I've seen him in the flesh, and I could not believe how good he was. He was doing Zidane turns. He was brushing off players, flicking balls over heads. He's 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 amazing.
3: No, he's got amazing qualities. Everybody knows that. I mean, you'd have to be blind not to see that. You have to be blind to say the opposite. But he's unbelievably frustrating, and yes, he kept losing the ball in dangerous situations. And yes, he's got this streak in him. I mean, come on, uh, the penalty—it's uh, entirely his fault. Well, we yeah, that was that was, was that
1: was pretty stupid. I'll grant you that. I don't know why. I don't know it why was, he was failed. He had to make a tackle. Yeah, yeah.
3: That's what the frustration with Pogba is—not that he's not a good player. He's a fantastic player. We all know that. He's got everything. You know, he's got the, the athleticism. He's got the speed. He's got absolutely wonderful technique. Um, he, he can ping 50 yard uh, balls. He can shoot from outside. I, you know, he's is wonderful, wonderful, wonderful. But he hasn't been. He's, he's still very undisciplined. Which is okay. He's only 23, but he's been playing at this level for a while, and he's playing with Juve. Um, and you're wondering, well, come on, you know, if we were if we are forced to change the shape of the midfield just to make sure we get the the very best of Paul Pogba and at the expense of the others. I'm sorry, that's not a solution. That's not correct. And and what's going to happen now that Kante is no longer there to actually uh, do all the hoovering in front of the backfall. Uh, one thing I've, for for Kante, for example, I mean, this, the, the yellow card was, I think, very harsh, but let's forget about that. In, in the whole season, in the whole Premier League season, I think Kante's got something like three yellow cards. And here... In the matter of four games, he got two. Mm. Now, you could say that's a uh, coincidence, uh, refereeing being a bit uh, less lenient in, at the Euros, which I don't think is the case. I think the referee has been very lenient, actually, at, at, at this Euro championship. No, what, it's, what it shows is that he has to resort to means he would not normally resort to, because very often he's the last guy to have to clean up the mess. So who do you put instead of him? Do you bring in Sissoko? But Sissoko is not that type of player at all. Is a dynamic player, is a box-to-box player, who, by the way, I would prefer to see on the pitch um, rather than, than the Matridi we're saying, because don't judge the French players on the strength of a second-half performance against a tiring, absolutely knackered Irish team. Judge them on the first 45 minutes, because when they're going to play against a better team than Ireland, sorry, guys, yes. but this, would, this, would, this could have been an absolute disaster. So, um, I, so is he going to put Cabay? You know, you you see what I'm what I'm hinting at. I mean, there is there is no magic formula. There is no balance in that team. You've got some moments where they are able to put together moves of great fluidity and and actually great beauty, that, because you've got such gifted players in there. But very often it, it starts from uh, the inspiration of an individual. There's nothing wrong with that, but it's too dependent on a few. Uh, Moments of brilliance from from Payet, or uh, it will be uh, a fantastic dribbling run by Kingsley Coman, or it will be, um, as it was against uh, Switzerland, Paul Pogba uh, uh, shooting from distance and hitting the woodwork. You know, it will be all these things. But you still don't have the feeling that it has coalesced, that it has gelled, and that. It's possible that Deschamps has a very clear idea of what his best 11 is, but whether that best 11 is good enough to win the Euros, I'm really not sure at all.
1: All right, Philippe. Always great to talk. Thank you. Thank you. probably right in saying that if you look back at Ireland's major tournament history we've been involved in quite a few stinkers for the neutral even yeah. in some of our most exciting ever games I would not imagine regret. great I
2: did, I did kind of get the impression that uh, from the French people around us yesterday that they thought the Irish fans and Irish team were great and you know, an adornment to their fine tournament all the way up to the start of the game and then during the game it was like these guys <laughs> these guys are no, no they, they're not offering a lot and then at the end with our emotional goodbye to our team. They were like, actually, you know, they're okay. No,
1: I kind of think though, you know, even for, if you're watching that, if I was watching that and that was Iceland in that game against France, I would have found that extremely exciting. The underdog getting yeah, the Yeah, sorry, the, Just the, the
2: French people. i oh, more the French, how the French yeah. people think thinking I, about I, it. Yeah. I, I don't think they were entirely enamoured of our team for the, you know, 105 minutes of actual time that it took for them to eventually knock us out.
1: It was probably the highlight of the weekend. I mean, there were a few really bad games. Wales beating Northern Ireland, Portugal beating Croatia, who just didn't bother playing football. I don't know, I don't have a clue what was going on with Croatia. Saturday was a disgusting oh, day of football.
4: <laughs> Wales were dreadful. Those three games, I was working on the first two of them. Um, that yeah. The first um, one was the... Well, at least you had the
1: Shaqiri goal in that one. That was the Switzerland game, wasn't it, with the bicycle kick?
4: We did. We actually... Yeah. We, 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 we're delighted that the setup of the the Orti double header was you've you've I mean you're you're on air continuously between the end of the first game and the start of the second game, which if it finishes in ninety minutes, you're kind of an hour and ten minutes. <laughs> ah, I see, Richie. An hour and ten minutes of chat, yeah. but because the first game went to extra time and then penalties, <laughs> it eats right into your. Talk Would you talk. not
2: rather earn your money though, Richie? You know, I mean that's uh, that's not right. I, I'm. No, <laughs> I'd rather watch football
4: than sit and talk about it for, for an hour, <laughs> particularly when it was that bad. Yeah, yeah, there were big wins
1: for Belgium and Germany, obviously. But uh, the big news over the weekend was last night, Ken, Lionel Messi <sighs> missing a penalty in the shootout against Chile. But yet again, Argentina fading to deliver in a final of a major competition and saying it's not meant for me. For me, the national team is over. I've done all I can. It hurts not to be a champion. At 29 years of age, Leo Messi possibly the greatest footballer of all time, certainly of this generation has retired from international football?
0: Yeah, well, there's a couple of things to say about this. First is that I don't believe that Lionel Messi will actually retire from international football at the age of 29. Maybe he'll do one of those things where he takes a bit of a break and then come back. I just can't believe that with the World Cup in 2018, now only a couple of years away now, Messi will be 31 during the World Cup, I think, or just around the time. So, you know, 31 is, 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 uh, is a good age. Uh, I just can't believe that he would walk away from the national team in this circumstance, having never managed to win anything with them at senior level, four finals, uh, as he was saying, uh, and they've lost all of them. But that doesn't mean that you can just quit. You can't. I mean, if, if he did that, well, what's the reaction in Argentina going to be to that? I mean, this, Messi has this problem in Argentina, where you've got a bunch of maybe some of the more chauvinistic Argent- Argentines who are like, this guy, this guy isn't even Argentine. This guy is, is, is Spanish, he's a Catalan, he only cares about Barcelona, he only cares about playing for them because he gets paid loads of money, he doesn't care about Argentina, he never has care you know all this kind of stuff. Diego, we love, we love Diego, we don't like uh, this guy. And pff, I'm sure that's kind of annoying. But if he quits at 29, that's the end of the argument. You know, Maradona is the legend who, who led Argentina to the World Cup. Lionel Messi is the Catalan who went out without ever winning anything. You know, who, who, abandoned, who abandoned the team, left the team in the lurch because he couldn't take missing a penalty. I mean, the interesting thing is that when you look at the tournament Messi's had, I think he scored five goals in Copa America. I mean, it would be for most players, it would be like, wow, that, that was the tournament of my life. And for him, it's like the most gut-wrenching disappointment. Now, his, his disappointment, I, I absolutely respect it. This is why I think it's, it's kind of a spur-of-the-moment thing that he said. But there's another dimension to it, which is Messi's hatred of the Argentine Football Association. And I don't know if you saw a couple of days back, um, the Argentina team were, they were in like Houston or somewhere, and I forget where they were flying, but their plane got delayed. Similar to your cell phone the other night. I mean, I don't know how you were feeling. I don't know how you were feeling. Oh, we'll get on to
1: that, Ken. Don't you worry about that. Sorry? We'll get on to that. Don't you worry about that.
0: Well, Lionel Messi uh, put up, and he was sitting there next to Sergio Aguero, and he put up on Instagram uh, a, a post basically saying, well, here we are waiting. He puts on this kind of angry little face, and, and then he says, uh, here we are once again waiting for a plane to take off, which has been delayed. The Argentine uh, Football Association is a disgrace. My God. You know, <laughs> like, which, I mean, imagine, you know, this is like the, the Roy Keane, Paul Kimmage interview from 2000 sort of condensed into a single Instagram post. You know, you've got the greatest player in the world saying a joke, at the, describing the Football Association as a disgrace and my God, like expressing his utter contempt and, and frustration with their arrangements they immediately were like oh hang on it wasn't our fault it's, it's all you know it's copa america centenario it's all there the organizers we we didn't really have anything to do with this but you know you, you can imagine what most people thought of that this bunch of clowns can't even organize a, you know a flight for messi you know what 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 are these guys so you know i think there's there's two sides to it in this sense like i think he's deeply disillusioned it's not just a case of him petulantly reacting to not winning because he's used to winning all the time and he he can't take losing. It's not. I think there's a bit of that, but it's not just that. I think he's genuinely disillusioned and angry with the football association. And I wouldn't be surprised if he was trying to put on a bit of pressure. If there was a case of <clears throat> as he's as he's done before at Barcelona, when there have been people on the board who he didn't like, he, all it takes is for him to say something. You know, ex, I forget the name of the director. It was one of the kind of Russell guys. He doesn't know anything about football. You know, to say to just to say this, and suddenly that guy's under enormous pressure. You know, if you're gonna if you have to choose between Messi and some apparatchik in a suit, it's pretty obvious which way most of the supporters, you know, who they think is, is is more important, and who in fact is more important. So when he says this, I wonder if he is kind of saying it as a starting position, and maybe there's a couple of things that he wants to see changed in that FA, and if. They do promise to do that, then maybe, just maybe, he can see his way to playing in that World Cup in a couple of years' time. And maybe, maybe if that requires him uh, being allowed to sit out a couple of friendlies, a couple of uh, you know twelve thousand mile round round trips, you know maybe they maybe they might be able to see their way to that as well. But I do think that if if he was serious, if this really was serious, and if he said I'm out twenty nine, I'm done. It's a good thing he's got that big house in Catalonia because. There's really very little point in him ever going back to Argentina after that.
4: It wouldn't surprise me if he did play again, because if, if this announcement came in any other time other than the immediate aftermath of a really disappointing night, you, you might think, right, well, it's a bit more measured. Maybe some thought has gone into it. And maybe he did decide a long time ago that this announcement was going to come irrespective of how the tournament went. But it does seem like a bit of a kind of knee-jerk or, or spur-of-the-moment thing. But y- y- can you say a moment ago about the, the this... Constituency in, in in Argentina who who dismiss him as a Catalan who have always kind of sneeringly kind of compared him less favourably to Maradona. If you were messy if I was messy, I I can't think of a group of people I'd give less a shit about than that group. If they were roundly criticising me for all those reasons that you gave, I, I really wouldn't put those people in my mind as the people whose should be factored into here my decision as to whether to stay or not. Like, I, I want to prove these people wrong. I'd be the opposite. i go, these people are an irrelevance. They're morons. All <laughs> I've done in the game, and, and, and they're giving me a stick for, for reasons X, Y, and Z. Let them. Let them sit around and, and, and drink coffee and, and, and hammer me. I'm getting on fine. These, these are cretins. Murph, today's games. Uh, a lot of I- anger. I mean, Richie's getting angry. Ken's
1: getting angry. This is great. Yeah, I know. I, I,
2: I'm just all resignation on. <laughs> I, I'm not bringing that to the table here. Italy, Spain is at 5 o'clock in the Stade de France Ugh. and England, Iceland is at 8pm in Nice. Now, they're a good couple of games. If if we needed a reminder that, you know, that there is joy in football, then maybe Iceland beating... No, I mean, I should say Italy and Spain playing, a brilliant, playing out a brilliant game of knockout football... Is uh, just what we need.
4: Is there any point in watching the tournament anymore? Well, I mean, I, I'll, 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 I'll strike a different note when I'm an RTE this week <laughs> pre-match. <laughs> but at the moment, it just feels. No, oh, see, so this p- is it.
1: That that's how, if it, like you were saying earlier. If it, if the games had gone in a different order, if we'd lost three mm-hmm. nil in our knockout match without firing a bullet, I would be saying, okay. I don't really want to watch football for a few days. But the fact that there w- there, there was a sense of us offering something and there was a, a moment, there was a goal, there was all that. I, I think I can actually feel good. And also these two games are very appealing in different ways. got an email in here, Murph. Go on. From marketing at ryanairmail.ie. Oh, okay. How would you rate your flight? Ask a bunch of beaming stewards and stewardesses here in this photograph. Okay. Rated from poor to very good. And this is tricky for me because t- well, we obviously flew over and flew back mm. with Ryanair. Flight over, I would rate... What's the, their highest one? Very good. I would write, If there was an excellent, I'd say excellent, because we were on that flight, a lot of people might have seen a video of a Ryanair pilot. Yeah. Some charismatic Ryan, Ryanair pilot.
2: Charismatic. That's a, that's an interesting choice of word there, are
1: you? You're so cynical about these. This I, I found this brilliant. Six in the morning, you're on a flight, this guy gets on there, introduces each of his colleagues as Gary, Gary Breen. And this is Gary Breen here. This is also Gary Breen. I'm Gary Breen. You, you see where he's going Ked, with that gag.
2: Kelly, you're listening to this. I hope, Six on an
1: Ireland jersey. Yeah, says, sounds,
2: pretty,
0: sounds wacky, all right.
1: Yeah, says I'm wacky, not supposed yeah. to be wearing this. Yeah. They tell me I can't do it, but I'm gonna do it. Then even, you know, towards the end you're getting to, you're, you're you're almost landing in Leon and he gets on and he goes, Bad news folks, air traffic control have told us that we have to get in a spot here in Kew. It could take a while to get in there, into the airport. And you know, you're starting to think, Oh, come on, we just wanna get in, get enjoy the day and then he says, I told them, We're not here to take part. We're here to take over. So they've Can waved me through. This,
2: Ken? Can you just just
1: imagine this now? So the, the yeah. pilot
4: announced that little. We're here to take over. Yeah.
1: Gag. <laughs> this pilot was brilliant, right? So I would say very excellent. good. Old this is excellent. Unfortunately, on the way back. Mm, experience not so good. There were too many people on the plane for, uh, you know, more people in seats, never a good sign. Mm. Mm. Uh, it took about an hour and a half to two hours to sort this mess out. Uh, at one stage, they pleaded. We could
2: build another seat. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Well, well, let's, th- let's thrash this
4: one out for a night together. So, I uh- um, like they got through the gate, oh everything, the onto the flight, and on the little runway yeah. bit, or the no, they're the on the flight, yeah, on on the yeah so the, all the way more through in the plane. It yeah.
1: looked to me like there were a few more people than there should have been. There seemed to be a few people standing for quite a while, but ultimately, there only appeared to be one extra body. So the uh, I don't know if it's the same pilot, Murph, but somebody got on, got on that PA system and asked, "Could a good Samaritan please step off this flight and <laughs> allow us to?" Fly away and be be on our way. Now, this uh, the airport had no alcohol left, didn't appear to have any tea or coffee left, mm. n- very little food, nothing that doesn't come I, out of a vending the, machine. Yeah. And initially, Ryanair's idea was to ask somebody to please get off without any recompense. <laughs> they eventually said, "Okay, we've been in touch with base base camp, and we can offer you a refund on the flight." Yeah. So they got somebody at
0: that point. I, I think it was expensive. the
2: same pilot, but you just didn't recognize him because he wasn't like honking a little comedy horn. Uh, while he was talking throughout every one of his... Uh, here, here,
0: what happened when they offered the refund? Did, like, was there a stampede?
2: Nah, one no. guy.
0: Just one guy said, I'll do it. But
2: yeah. one
1: guy got up quickly, and then everyone was very tired at that stage. This one person probably Perfect. maybe Perfect. knew what might, might have been about to unfold.
0: Antoine Griezmann of the passengers. Yeah, but then
1: even he was in the, in the cockpit for about 10 minutes, seemingly signing off on all the terms and conditions of this refund. It was if, bonkers, in, though. In
0: fairness, I,
4: I, I'd be looking for more than a refund. Yeah. Like... You'd, you'd want more than just you're simply bargaining. your money back. I'm, I'm now you're... in France overnight. Yeah. Like, uh, am I getting well, no, on the next a, flight? The next flight. I don't
0: know what, what kind of negotiating position you think you have here, Richie. You've got like uh, you know 200 people on a flight. They've offered a refund. Are you going to sit tight and say... Now I think I can do better than that Or are you, are you going to grab there's, the refund Before someone else does Well is no
4: one stand, No one else standing up uh, yeah. Is the whole The responsibility Have I now taken on board The responsibility Of this plane taking off yeah. By my gesture it, If no yeah. one else is standing up This Ken, person has done it's, that It's me I, I'm the hero so, so weigh me in here yeah.
0: Pay me <laughs> I think any flight That you know Gets there worth, Is worth at least Three stars out of five Regardless of what happened
2: <laughs> God now That, that is setting the ready? expectation yeah, bar pretty ready. low Ken then yeah you You didn't kill me thank you and then and
0: then you know play with the remaining two stars depending on on whether you know extraneous things like the service punctuality whether there was too many people on the plane and the plane <laughs> you know, that, that's, that's what decides between three and five.
1: It is, okay, and just a final note to Ryanair, it is okay to apologize at the end of something like that. You, when the plane lands, rather than generic announcement we've arrived, it's okay to say, sorry about they that are, mess earlier on.
2: They are just words, but we would appreciate we would appreciate it. But that's it, listen, you way. did great
1: in The Way Out. I liked the, I liked the pilot in The Way Out. I thought he was good old crack, even though you boys seem to like your pilots all, Oh, I don't know, official and <laughs> No, no boring. apology. I, I, now I was asleep for some of the flights, so maybe there was one in the middle. I don't know, but there didn't seem to be an apology at the end. I should really be emailing this to Ryanair, Richie, but I feel I've got it. I've gotten it off my chest here. So, you know, if you're listening, Ryanair, thanks, Murph.
2: <laughs> Thank you, Owen Thank you, Ken. Thanks, Thank you, Ken. Richie.
1: Cheers, lads. Richie, thanks, Richie. Thank thanks for listening. It. The phone
3: is that? That's the second time it's gone off.
0: Never go home. They never go home. They never go home. those those